Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. By the things that are supposed to unfold, but the Bible reassures us that our commitment and our obedience to the Lord should offset any fears or worries that we have about the future because there's no fear in love. Perfect love casteth out fear, all right? Because fear hath torment, it says, and he that feareth is not made perfect in love. Perfect love is this, love that's complete. Love that is committed. Love that is obedient to the Lord. You won't fear the end times if you know where you're going in the end. Amen. It helps allay our fears. In the first few verses of John 14, again, these are verses, many of you know them, you've heard them quoted oftentimes at a funeral or a graveside service. And they're oftentimes used to bring comfort to a family about not being troubled that their loved one has been taken away and also uh, to bring hope for those people and hope in light of the deceased about a place that is prepared for us. And we oftentimes relate this prepared place to heaven. You must admit, oftentimes when you read verses 1 through 3, you're thinking of that prepared place as heaven, which is no doubt highly possible and probable. Nothing wrong, amen, with that interpretation at all. But I believe in the first three verses, it can be multi-layered about what some of the possibilities are that is being spoken of here in the Scripture. And this is where you're going to have to think, all right? In my Father's house, the Bible says, are many mansions. In the Jewish culture, and again, we, we've taught this and looked at this at many times, and another reason why we described as that place as being heaven, but in the Jewish culture, there, many times there are, there are many dwelling units that combine to form an extended household. What I mean is this, it's customary for a son that whenever he gets married or he is even betrothed, engaged to be married, he adds an extra room on daddy's house because that's where he and his wife are going to live. And so we think of this in, in line with Christ and his church or Christ being the, the groom and the church being his bride that he's going away to prepare a place for us. He's adding a room, if you will, amen, for he and his bride someday increasing the estate of heaven by us going there. And it's in these regards that, that we think of the mansions of being that, that heavenly place in that yonder blue sky that we oftentimes say, Amen. Because of our marriage to the Lord. Jesus says in his father's house are many mansions. Other translations of scripture bring the word mansions like this. In my father's house are many rooms or many resting places or many homes or many lodgings. Matter of fact, people have written songs because of this verse. In my father's house are many mansions. The old song, I'll build my mansion. Next door to Jesus. But the word mansion here is translated simply meaning dwelling place. Dwelling place. As a matter of fact, there's only one other place in the Bible that this word that is in the Greek translated dwelling place, that it even exists. And exists 
in the same chapter, John chapter 14 and verse number 23. This is what the Bible says there. Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words. And my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode. Same word as mansion, abode. With him. And so in one side, it's as though a place that is prepared that he's going to take us to. But in another, it's as though a place he is coming to to abide with us at. All right? Amen. And so here's what I posture to you tonight. Could we, someone say me, could we be the prepared place? Could we individually be the additional dwelling place of the Father's house? See, earlier in the Gospel of John, you will remember, and maybe not, but in John chapter number 2, Jesus goes into the temple and he cleanses the temple, right? He throws over the table of those that are selling doves and making merchandise, if you will, of the house of the Lord. And whenever Jesus came into that place, he quotes the scripture from the Old Testament, but he tells them about how they are not to make his father's house, father's house, a den of thieves, not to make it a house of merchandise. Don't make, and he's standing in the temple when he says, don't make my father's house a house of merchandise. And so his reference again is to the temple. Yet John again relates to us in that same chapter, John chapter number two, that Jesus began to speak to the people. He says, you can destroy this temple and in three days, I'm gonna raise it up. They misunderstood him to be talking about the literal temple. When he was actually talking to them, John tells us he was talking to them about the temple of his body, the temple of his body. He was referencing his body. So right in John chapter number two, we have a connection of the father's house being the literal temple, but then the temple, the literal temple is figuratively being the body of humanity. Now just stay with me. With this I begin to recall other scriptures along these lines. Like in the book of Corinthians, the apostle Paul speaking to the church at Corinth and he tells them in verse 19, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Verse 20, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, walk with me here. I haven't used that in a while, but walk with me here. The house of the Father or the Father's house, according to John 14, is comprised of many mansions, or literal translation, is comprised of many dwelling places. If I may Many bodies that are temples of the Holy Ghost. Someone say amen. In verse 2, we see it as a place that he prepares for us and will take us to someday. But in verse 23, same word used, it is a place with us and more properly, I might say, in us that he will dwell in. All right? The Bible even tells us later in John chapter number 14 and verse 17, for he, speaking of Jesus, will, he, will, he has dwelled with you, but he shall be in you. And it seems here as Jesus speaks, the place 
He goes to prepare a place. The place seems to already exist. It just needs to be prepared. Oh, someone say amen. Jesus prepares a place. Let me tell you how Jesus prepares the place. He goes to prepare. The preparation is in his going. What is Jesus' going? That's just right around the corner here. It's his death. It's his burial. It's his resurrection. He's preparing a place, amen, for us, for him. He's going. His going is the way. His going is the path, amen, for us to be in God's presence, amen, both God's presence in us and someday making it to heaven. Absolutely. But the Bible says in the 26th verse of John, or the 18th verse of John 14, Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come to you. Verse 26 tells us that the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, someone say amen, the comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father shall send in his name, will teach us all things. Let me summarize it like this. I hope you're thinking. Jesus prepared a place for us. The preparation was his death, his burial, and his resurrection. It is at the same time not only for us, but it's in us. It's for us because it gives us access to the Spirit of God. But it's in us because we've become a dwelling place or a mansion of the Father's house. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We've been bought with the price, and the price is the preparation. Someone say amen. Hallelujah. What do you mean then, Brother McGee? I'm saying this. Then through our personal repentance and baptism and Holy Ghost infilling, the Bible says, and Jesus even tells them, you know the way because the way is the way of preparation that he made of death, burial, and resurrection. And through Jesus, through Jesus' going, it allows you and I to be a prepared dwelling place or mansion, if you will, of the Father's house. Someone say amen. Because with that, it's not that God just resides in the heavens. It's not just that God resides in the space around us. But it's through that, that God comes down, his spirit indwells mankind. In my father's house are many mansions. And those many mansions, I can label Paul McGee. And I can label Malin McGee. And I can label Grace Mason. And I can label all these different things. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not told, I, were not so, I told you. I go to prepare. How did you prepare the place? I died, I was buried, and I was resurrected. Amen. It existed, but it wasn't prepared until I went to the cross. It, oh, yes. Someone say amen. Amen. Look what the scripture says. And you'll remember this. Jesus in the last chapter told Peter. Peter says, you know, I want to go, Lord. I'll even die for you. Jesus tells Peter in the last chapter. He says, you cannot follow me now. Remember? He says, but afterwards, you will be able to follow me. Peter couldn't follow Jesus then because Jesus hadn't prepared it yet. No death taking place yet. No burial yet. No resurrection. You can't follow me right now, but you will follow me. And Peter, then you will follow me by the same preparation. On the day of Pentecost, of then Peter said unto them, 
repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 3 in John 14. Jesus says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Here we go. Because though Jesus left, he came back on Pentecost. This is really has many, many layers here. You can look at it through the eyes of Jesus just resurrecting from the dead after three days in the grave. You can look at it as the Holy Ghost impartation that took place on the day of Pentecost. You can look at it as whenever he comes back for the church as we typically look at it. Amen. Whenever he comes back for us. But I'm looking at it tonight as this Holy Ghost impartation. Jesus says, if I go and prepare, if I die, if I'm buried, and if I resurrect, if I ascend, I'm going to come again to you. I'm not leaving you comfortless. I'm going to come again to you and I'm going to receive you. And the only reason why he's receiving us is because we've been prepared. Oh, someone say amen. He says that where I am, there ye may be also. So therefore, Jesus comes again as spirit on the day of Pentecost and receives us how? By dwelling in us. Right? Because he, he won't dwell in the defiled temple. Scripture tells us that. He won't dwell in the defiled He won't receive that. He'll receive a prepared place. And so he, he receives us by indwelling in us, and then boom, where he is in us, whoop, there we are. I know that's simple, but that's the way it is. He receives us because we've been prepared, and we are where he is because we've been prepared to receive him. Is everybody all right? So we're not just talking about heaven here. We're talking about heaven on earth. We're talking about being the mansion, being the extension of the Father's house, being, being the temple in which the Holy Ghost dwells, him being in us because he made a way for us. The Bible says in verse 4, going on down to verse 7, he says, and whether I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas Pipes up and saith unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also, and from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Jesus says, amen, in verse number four, he says, the way you know. Thomas says, how can we know the way? Jesus says, I am the way. In other words, they know the way because they've known him. They know the way because they've known him. And knowing the way, no doubt, Jesus, we know prior to this moment, Jesus has talked to them. I'm going to be turned over into the hands of scribes and Pharisees and chief priests. They're going to take me to, they're, they're, they're going to kill me. They're going to try me. I'm going to be three days in the earth. He has spoken to them over and over again at different times about what was going to happen concerning his death, burial, and resurrection. So even through that regard, he can tell them, you know the way. You know what's going to happen. You know what's going to take place. You know what it takes for the preparation. You know the way. Someone say the way. There is a New Testament word in the Greek. It's called prodromos. It's in Hebrews 6 and 20. This word is used to describe Jesus Christ. It describes him 
as the forerunner. It says whether the forerunner is for us entered even Jesus. This is taken, the, the idea and concept of this is taken, the idea of a forerunner here in Hebrews and ascribed to Jesus is taken from the idea that uh, over in the Mediterranean there was a harbor known as Alexandria and you'll read of that in, in Acts 27 and 28. But there's a harbor of Alexandria they say that was very difficult to approach, very difficult to navigate into. And so what they would oftentimes do in those days they had these huge ships that were known as corn ships or grain ships and they had a difficult time just navigating into that harbor and what would happen is they would send out what would be known as a little pilot boat that would go out to where the big ship was and it would lead that big corn ship and guide that big corn ship into the harbor along a safe route that little ship went first preparing the way uh-huh. for the larger ship because it knew the route Jesus was the forerunner he was the pilot ship that came to meet each of us. And because of his death, burial, and resurrection, that path or that way, he partook of first. And because he went first, Andrew, I can have repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Amen. He went first so I could follow. And it's not so much so that Jesus is showing the way, it's that Jesus is the way. No man, he said, come unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the way. The Bible even tells us Jesus is the way because the Bible says God has drawn us to himself through Christ. You can read of it in 2 Corinthians 5.19. The Bible says to wit that God was in Christ. God, which is spirit, was in Christ, which was the man, huh? reconciling the world unto himself. God was reconciling the world to himself through Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ was the means, the medium, the way, the path through which all of that would happen. Jesus Christ is the way. Now, now people struggle with this today. They struggle with the statement of Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know why? Because that is an exclusive statement. He does not say, I am a way, a truth, and a life. He says, I am the truth, the way, the life. That's an exclusive statement. People struggle with, with that today because what that undergirds or perhaps, uh, you know, messes up in reality, all roads don't lead to heaven. Everything that calls itself truth isn't truth. There is the truth. There is the way. There is the life, and it's an exclusive claim, and it only happens through Jesus Christ and belief in his name that our key verse says that we might have life through that name. Thomas A. Kempis said it like this. He said, without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the life, there is no living. And all of that's not found in this person, that person, or this person. It's found in one person, namely in Christ Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Hallelujah. Continuing now, John 14, I'm going to overlap a little bit with verse 7 again. If ye had known me, everybody say known. Ye should have known, everybody say known. My father also. And from henceforth ye know, everybody say no, him, and have seen him. 
Philip saith unto him, Lord, shew us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you? We love these verses. And yet hast thou not known, everybody say known, no. me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, shew us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Now, there's a lot predicated right here, just a few verses on knowing Jesus. If we know him, we would have known the Father also. If we know Jesus, we would have known the way. Jesus is driving home the point again that he is God manifest in the flesh. As he told us in John 10, 30, he is making known, I and my Father are one. That God was in Christ. And the request that Philip has is really just as old as Moses' request because Philip says, show us the Father and it'll be enough. Show us the Father and it'll suffice us. Well, that was similar to a plea of Moses of old. Philip wants to see the Father. Philip wants to see God. Moses did likewise in the wilderness journey. But just as Jesus told the woman at the well who was of Samaria and told her that God is a spirit, naturally a spirit doesn't have flesh and blood, so this is going to be maybe a little difficult for you to see God. The Bible says no man has seen God at any time. Moses in his day wanted to see God too in Exodus 33 to the place that he asked or said, show me your glory. The Septuagint, which is the earliest translation of the Old Testament into the Greek, states it like this, show me yourself. Philip says, it's enough, it suffices, if you would just show us the Father. Jesus responds, have I been so long time with you that you've not known me, Philip? Let's pause here for a moment. In the Gospel of John, in, in even other places of the Scripture, but particularly in John, there are four levels of knowing in the Gospel of John. Four levels. Level number one, knowing a fact. Knowing a fact. Uh, for me, I remember a long time ago, I read little tidbits like that just interest me. It's like otters hold hands as they sleep. I know that. That's a fact I know. But stage number two of, of knowing is understanding the truth behind the fact. I don't know why otters hold hands while they sleep. I just know. You understand? Level number two, though, is understanding the truth behind the fact. Level number three is relationship. Knowing. To believe in a person and become related to him or her is third level of knowing. Fourth level of knowing is to have a deeper relationship with that person and deeper communion with them. So, Christ says, have I been so long with you, Philip, that you don't know me? Because some of us get at just the fact knowing of God. We can quote scripture, but we don't know what the scripture means. 
We know God, but that's the end of it. We know there's a God. Some of us are another level of understanding, understanding the truth behind the fact. We not only can quote Acts 2.38, we can tell you why that truth is stable. But then some go to another degree and that they have a relationship. They become related to him by having been born again of water and spirit. But some even go deeper than that. What I like to call they have fellowship with him. So, I, you know, on a side note, I'm kind of challenged tonight to a higher level of knowing him. Because Jesus said, Philip, you knew me, but you don't know me. His knowledge was superficial. I know Jesus, or I know God, or I know this. But all the undergirdings of that get to loss. Philip, if you had known me, you would have known the Father. John 12, 45 says, and he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. That's what Jesus said. He that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. And again, did he not say in verse 9 of our text, he hath seen me, hath seen the Father. All the way back to the very first chapter, that's been several, several months ago. But John 1 in verse number 18 states these words, no man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father. That's not talking about a literal place. Being in the bosom of anyone was a strategic spot of honor. Amen. And Jesus Christ is in a honorific place concerning God. He's even, the Bible speaks of him being at the right hand of God. That's not speaking about a literal right hand. God is a spirit. There is no hand, no arm, no finger. If it's ever spoken of God about his hand, his arm, or finger, it's just in such a way that we can relate to. He's at the right hand of God because that's the place of power. And what's powerful about Jesus is this. Coming down and being born from the womb of a woman gave him flesh and blood. And there's no remission of blood. There's no remission of sins without blood. The spirit didn't have it, but the body of Jesus did. That's powerful. That's honoring. And the Bible says the only begotten son which is in the bosom of the father, he hath declared him. Hath declared who? Hath declared God. Hath declared the father. How? The word declared there literally means he has revealed him. So as Moses was wanting to see the glory of God or God himself and Philip was wanting to see God show us the father and suffice, Jesus steps out and says, this is all of God you're ever going to see. I'm the one, amen, that was born in Bethlehem's manger. I I am that spirit that made himself a body as flesh. You can touch me and feel me. If you touch God, you're going to have to touch me because I'm God in the flesh. You, I and my father are one. He that has seen me have seen the father. No man can come into the father but by me. How in the world? Because the spirit of the almighty God indwelt that man, Christ Jesus, and revealed God to the world. Someone say amen. Amen. The man Christ Jesus, you can look at it in Hebrews 13.3 rather. The man Christ Jesus, the Bible talks of him as being the express image of God's person. Those words express image means he is, this is the translation of the Greek, he is the exact copy. 
And when it speaks of the word person there, it is speaking about the hidden or unseen essence of God. So you put that together. Jesus Christ is the exact copy of the hidden, unseen essence of God. In other words, Jesus made the invisible God seen. Jesus made the invisible God understood by mankind. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the revelation of God. If you're having a hard time figuring out God, then look at Jesus. You see his love. His compassion, his mercy, his grace, his judgment, everything that God is personified through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the revelation of God. Jesus comes and he's not speaking his own words. He's speaking God's words. Jesus comes. He's not doing his own works. He's doing God's works. Why? Because God indwelt that man. So... Stand with me. Jesus is just chipping away at this. He's done that. We've been to this spot a few times in the scripture. He's just chipping away at it. Why? Because I thought you knew me. I thought you knew me. But if you'd known me, you'd known the Father. If you really knew me, you would see I'm not just the carpenter's son. Woo! I'm the creator of the world. I'm the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. If you really knew. And so with all of this, if you really know me, in my father's house are many dwelling places. And you can be a part of it because I've prepared the place. You'll become the abode. Oh, heaven someday for sure. But until heaven gets here. You can just call me Mansion McGee. Just call me Mansion McGee. He's received me. Because I've been prepared. He's laid down the path. He is the path. I've followed it strategically. Line upon line, precept upon precept. That where I am, whoop, there he is. That's the reason. We, we say it all the time. You know, it's not that we come here and experience the Lord. No, anywhere we go, we experience the Lord. You know why? I'm Mansion McGee. I'm Mansion McGee. Where he is, there I am. Because he's here. He's inside of me, living inside of me. And if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in me, it will quicken my mortal bodies one of these days. And it will cause a translation from here to glory. Someone say amen. So our plea tonight should be this. Make me a place. Well, I want heaven. But he makes me a place here before I get a place over there. I can't have a place over there unless I have a place here. Amen. Bow our heads tonight all across this place. God, there's no need for my heart to be troubled because I've been made a place. 
God, you went through, Lord, everything that you went through. Lord, you paved the path. Lord, you became the path. God, you are the bona fide illustration, God, for our own walk and our own path and way. I pray, oh, Lord, help us to adopt that in our lives today. Help us, Lord, to follow through, Lord Jesus, God, with repentance. Our repentance can only be effective, God, because you died. Our baptism can only be effective because you were buried. Lord, our Holy Ghost infilling can only happen, God, because you resurrected. And so, God, this is not, in essence, the works of a man. Oh, if that man will repent. No, no, no. I could do all of that, and it would be ineffective if you hadn't done what you'd done. It still all is totally dependent upon you. It's only because of you I have remission of sins. It's only because of you that water can wash me and that blood can purify me. It's only because of you, God, that I can be old things passed away. Behold, all things become new, a new creature in Christ Jesus, bearing about my body always the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also can be there and manifest itself. God, it's because of you. Make me a place. You went first, God, so that we could follow. You went first, God, so that we could follow. Oh, Lord, it is through Christ, God, that we come to you because he is where the substance of the blood is. He is where, God, the way and the path, Lord, was delineated, God, for every individual under heaven from time past to time present and forward God make me a place so that someday heaven can be my place in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray hallelujah in the church say amen thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter with the username FACMC Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you and have a blessed day.